welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing Excuse Me While I Ugly Cry by Joya Goffney. But before we get into the book, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the PHX Nest Pod on Instagram and PHX Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at the Phoenix Nest Pod at gmail.com. The links to our social media can be found in our description along with a link to our Goodreads and our favorite local independent bookstore, Mostly Books. Um, speaking of Mostly Books, this is where we got the recommendation for Excuse Me While I Ugly Cry. Yeah, and where we purchased it. And where we purchased it, <laughs> because we purchase pretty much all of our books from them, and you should too. They're great. I love them. Oh, that was such a good commercial. Which one? The one that you just did for Mostly Books. Oh, the best commercial ever. <laughs> They don't pay us to say these things. They're just a good time. I love them. I will buy all of my books from them forever and ever and ever. They're great. You can order online, too, and they'll mail them to you. Just an FYI. Um, So, excuse me while I ugly cry. How did you feel? Surprisingly happy. Yeah? Um, When I first started reading, I was a little bit concerned. Okay. Because I... It's hard to tell what direction the book is taking with mm-hmm. the main characters. Yeah. Um, especially if you're not a blurb reader, which I'm not. And uh, so that was part of the problem was that the very beginning, you have no idea what to think. No. You know what's always surprising to me is when you tell me you're not a blurb reader. I'm just not. I'm a random page reader. Which I think is funny because I recommend the books and you're like, sure. Oh, yeah. I don't. And you never know what you're getting into. I never do. Well, that's. I think that's part of the like fun, right? I mean, yeah. Because then we kind of read things we wouldn't normally pick up. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about last time. This is YA. Mm-hmm. It's um, people or the characters in it are mixed race. Yeah. Um, it's just it's a very different kind of book. Um, <laughs> I'll go ahead and I'll start with the blurb, and we'll just like jump on in because it's it's good it's a lot it's a lot there was a lot going on um and then we'll just discuss all the lot that went on (laughs) all right quinn keeps lists of everything from the days she's ugly cried to things that i would never admit out loud and all the boys that she'd like to kiss her lists keep her sane by writing her fears on paper she never has to face them in real life that is, until her journal goes missing. An anonymous account posts one of her lists on Instagram for the whole school to see and blackmails her into facing seven of her greatest fears or else her entire journal will go public. Quinn doesn't know who to trust. Desperate, she teams up with, teams up, sorry, with Carter Bennett, the last known person to have her journal, in a race against time to track down the blackmailer. Together, they journey through everything Quinn's been too afraid to face, and along the way, Quinn finds the courage to be honest, to live in the moment, and to fall in love. I think, surprisingly, that that blurb goes really well with what actually happened in the book. Yeah. And we talk a lot about how sometimes those blurbs don't give an they accurate just don't representation. Line up correctly, yeah. Yeah, there's, they're not an accurate representation of what we're actually going to read. But I think that one did really well. And I, I think so. I think I read the blur briefly when um, Trisha texted me and told me that we should try it. Okay. So but you had a little bit of an inkling of what it was going to be then. Yeah, I had an idea of okay. it. Okay. Surprisingly, for an 18-year-old character versus my 35-year-old ass, I felt pretty connected to the characters. I think that's because even though we're older, a lot of our like habits and insecurities... And, like, just the way that we deal with things is kind of born in our teens. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of when you're figuring out who you are. And I always, I tell my students this all the time, I'm like, you guys got to figure it out soon. Because you've got four years and then you're literally on your own. Yeah. You know, and and I think maybe that's why Quinn was relatable. And it wasn't just Quinn who was relatable. Um, Carter was pretty relatable. Um, Olivia. Auden. Oh, Auden. Sweet, precious baby angel Auden. I think a lot of the story in itself is relatable. Yeah. I'm glad that we read it. I'm just going to say that now. I'm really glad that we read I it. I am too. It had it brought up a lot of good 
a lot of good points. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things in it that I didn't, I didn't really think about in the moment. It wasn't until after I finished it. Um, I Carter is wise beyond his eighteen years. Some of the things that he said, I'm like, man, I really need to start doing that in my life, <laughs> just because. He was just an interesting character, just on his own. Yeah. Because his backstory was interesting, even though... We don't get the whole backstory. It's pretty common, which is unfortunate. And not common, not to say that it's common because he's black, but common in a lot of families and blended families and mixed households right now. Yeah. um, Of having one parent that's really always there and really supportive versus another parent who thinks that money is the solution to everything versus a parent who maybe has to work two or three jobs or you know all of those things are highly relatable especially this year and so that was an interesting thing to put in there that he has all of this knowledge this wealth of knowledge that he's not wasting even though he appears to be yeah and that's super important to acknowledge he comes off as the stereotypical slacker and you find out that he is not and he wants to go into what was it civil engineering yeah and i'm like damn get it any kind of engineering your brains if you're an engineer and you're happening to listen to this your brain is just built different like i talk about science brain people this is very much kind of in that same category engineering brain and science brain uh, are very close. Oh, yeah. Very similar. Oh, yeah. I don't have that brain. My brain can't do that. It's it's really frustrating because I think it's so interesting. But when we've had conversations with our engineer friends, it's, like, beyond what I can hear. Like, my capacity is reading comprehension. Yeah. And theirs is, like, but I could build this model. When your and then dad, do all the things. And I'm like, oh, dear God. When your dad and the boys start talking, I have to zone them out because I'm like, what are they saying? I I don't know what to do with them. So they'll talk for literally hours if you let them. They're great. They're a good time, They're though. wonderful. But it's just like a lot. It is. So, okay. It is. So let's go ahead and get to our basic storyline. So okay. basic storyline Uh, We meet Quinn. She is from a family who is wealthier, and Mm -hmm. she goes to private school. Yep. And she has friends of different races, but not very many black friends. In fact, I think she said she's the only black friend in her group. It sounds like it, definitely. Because Destiny and Gia, or whatever her name was, they're white. Right. And she talks about how in her past she's been called an Oreo, which would be... You're black on the outside and white on the inside, Mm -hmm. meaning that you don't act black enough to be told that you're black or whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever the correct phrasing of that was. Um, So she has these friends and for some reason, she and her best friend Destiny get in a fight at a party and it's supposedly over a boy. And so they're not friends anymore. Well, and it's not just any boy because it's Matt Rad, who is... Like the Quinn's, hottie next door. Quinn's best friend next door who she's oh my in God, love the with. the hot guy next door. We don't see that often. We enough. don't. We oh. should see that more often. We should read more Very YA Jesse romance. Metcalf. Oh my God, Jesse Metcalf. Wow. Uh, he's like disturbingly hot. <laughs> makes me really annoyed. And you know why it makes me annoyed. But it does. Uh, <laughs> so, so they go through this whole like friend breakup, which always blows, right? And then it gets just worse because Quinn insists that they haven't broken up their friendship because of a boy. And everyone's like, well, then explain it. Then explain it. First of all, you should never have to explain that ever. Like, sure. But like, leave me alone because it just happened last week. Yeah. Um, So that was really frustrating to read about that instance because we've been through that kind of recently. Fairly recently. And, um. So that's something that was really, really annoying. But she she doesn't she's not ready Mm-mm. to do that. And so she's talking to Matt about it, but she's also in this group for a project, which sounds like a fun project. That sounds like a weird amount of like work though. They're his it's a history assignment and they have to make a JFK a screenplay, screenplay based on one of the theories. Which I think is just off the wall insane. I love it. It sounds definitely like a private school thing. I love Auden's explanation of who's going to be the government. I'd really like to be the government. She's like, like the whole government? But then she's like, you know what? Whatever. He can be the whole government. (laughs) 
Like, okay. <laughs> so, anyways, that's where we meet Carter. And at the very beginning, she's already talking about how fine he is. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, he's really good looking. He smells really nice. Like, all the stuff that you would say about someone you have a crush on, but she's like, but I don't have a crush on him. I'm in love with Matt Rad. Yeah. And we're like, of course you're in love with Matt Rad. Of course she would be. Because he's the, the stereotypical perfect jock boy next door, but he's really kind and, like, shit like that. Ugh. And he doesn't see, he doesn't, he understands racism, and he's not a horrible person, and his family's and got each other it for, together. like, a decade. Yeah, they've known each other forever. Yeah. So there's all that that's, like, building up. And then Carter and Quinn's dad go through a moment that is very clearly racism and a very bad assumption that, you know, we'll talk about. But it leads to him kind of, like, leaving. Like, storming out of the house, kind of, and out of their group project. Saying some kind of mean things about Quinn, even though he doesn't know Quinn as a person, too. Yeah, which I guess is kind of a normal defense mechanism. Yeah. Like, say something mean about something that's easy to get at. Yeah. Um, But anyways, he leaves, he grabs stuff and leaves... And in this moment, they have accidentally switched notebooks, and she panics when she realizes she can't find her list notebook. It's this red, spiral-bound notebook where she keeps all these lists of all the things that she wants to do, or thinks about, or wonders about, or hates, or loves, or plans, all this stuff that she's like, if I don't write it down and keep it a secret, it's going to just, like, come out. She's going to have what she calls a burst. Yeah. Where she doesn't hold those emotions in like she wants to. She lets them burst out, and she's not that type of person. Which is too bad, because, like, everyone needs to do that. How often do we do that? We do that all the damn time. I did that today. I feel like on a daily basis, not if not in person, then in text. We text each other. Where we're like, oh my god, you guys. And it's just like... That's kind of your venting outburst time. I think that's, I mean, it's pretty normal, but I can kind of see how it wouldn't be normal for Quinn because I think at that age I held a lot of that in. Right. Because my parents had gone through a divorce and I didn't have the best home life. Right. Sorry, mom. I'm sorry you're finding this out in my 30s. We've discussed it before, but Mm. it's... It's, it's understandable. Just a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to hold on to. It's a lot to be 18 and have all those emotions and not know what to do with them. Right. So I see where she was going yeah, with keeping this list. But yeah. So suddenly she's getting messages from an anonymous Instagram account and it's blackmailing her into doing things in her first list. And she's so panicked by the possibility of people reading all of these lists or, like, journals, right? Mm-hmm. That she's like, okay, I have to do all these things. And because Carter is the last person to have had her journal, he's like, listen, I'll help you find it. We'll, we'll achieve this thing on your list so that it doesn't get exposed more. Like, I get it, and I'm really sorry, and I want to prove to you that I didn't steal it. I'm not the one blackmailing you. Because that's, like, her first instinct is, like, she's like, I don't trust you. You're doing this to me. And he's like, but I'm clearly not. <laughs> You just got this text while your phone was in my hand. And then she's like, who's working for you? And it's like, oh my gosh. Like, okay. High school drama. (laughs) So then just like shenanigans ensue. They go through a lot of different things, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, And throughout this process, she finds out that what she thought was being in love with someone is not. What she thought was being her best self and making everyone happy isn't, it's just not true. It's not possible. And so she kind of learns to live her life for herself over the, like, week. Over about, yeah, about a week or two. You know, that this is taking place. And then by the end, it's not necessarily happily ever after, like, we normally like to see, but that's because they're teenagers. They're 18. And um, so we don't expect the getting married, having a baby, blah, blah, blah stuff. Yeah. Um, Which is fine. We don't expect that out of a YA romance. No, we don't. Um, this is more like self-discovery than it is romance. There's this romance kind of entwined. Yeah, yeah. And it's it was a very subtle shift into the romance. Yeah. Which I liked. Yeah. I do like when it's kind of a slower burn. And it, it's, it was just very well written. 
to where you could see the romance the pace of the romance was was really well done and it it didn't feel rushed because you know sometimes you get into these YA romances and you're like now they're in love and you're like but wait when did that happen how are they in love these two spend a lot of time together and they dislike each other for a while um but let's get into let's get into list making because i know you and i are both list makers oh yeah like Today, I was rewriting a to-do list, and one of my students said, what is that? I said, well, it's my to-do list from last week. And they're like, well, then what are you writing? I was like, I have to rewrite all the things I didn't finish correctly, Mm -hmm. and then add to it for today. And they're like, that's just for today? (laughs) And they're like, horrified. Like, they see me make lists all the time. I make them lists. Yeah. I make lists on on the board, like, this is what you're doing, do it in this order, I, every uh, fourth quarter, I make monthly calendars because it gets so insane that I'm like, add events yourself, but here's all the stuff you absolutely need to know dates and times for. Mm-hmm. And then, like, half of them don't take it with them. And they're like, I don't need that. You'll just tell me. Ugh. And then they drive me insane, you know? So yeah. I'm just like, I'm just that person. I've always been that person. Um, I'm also much better when I write stuff. I know some people only use their phones for lists. Mm-hmm. I, the only bonus of that is that you won't lose it as easily if you put it on your phone digitally and do little check boxes on the notes. Yeah. Um, but I really like, I really like crossing shit off. We do the, we do the, we do the lists for the podcast digitally because we can share it with each other. Yeah. And we can see it update in real time. Yeah. I'm new to list making. And that was part of my anxiety depression homework from my The mindfulness portion. Yeah. Yeah. So that that came from my care counselor through my mental health stuff. And I'm new to it. And I found that making lists just makes the day easier to manage. Because when you finish a task and you get to check the box or cross it off or scratch it out, then you can look and... You can prioritize. Yeah. And that's not something that we're really taught to do anymore. Mm -hmm. I was taught to do that, like, starting in middle school. They had, like, an accountability tracker thing. Yeah. At my middle school. Um, And so I I have the kids, when they're feeling overwhelmed, I'm like, write down everything you feel like you need to do, Mm -hmm. and you're going to pick three things. Yep. That's what you're doing today. And they're like, what? I was like, you can do three things in two hours. Easy. Just choose three things. And then they're like, okay. And I said, my recommendations, choose the things you don't want to do. Do them get them out of the way. Yep. I really hate doing this, but I have to do it before I move on to this next thing. Yep. And it's something where I have now made it so that, like, my family is really into list making. Um, Me and my sister, anytime we plan something, we create a note and share it. And it includes dates and times, um, even... It's so funny. We've, we're so dumb because, like, we did this when we all worked at Target, too, where we have a list of people that we're inviting to things. And but then, like, normal. what we're going to do for each part of the thing. So, yeah. like, we're planning her birthday. Yep. And I'm like, okay, well, we want to go to the zoo. Our friends want to go to the zoo, but how many of them are actually going to go? And then I, then one of us texts. And, like, it's a whole big thing. And my parents probably think we're insane. <laughs> but it's the only thing that we can get anything done. I have found that I'm more well-organized than I was before. Mm-hmm. Because I was pretty well-organized before, but I still had those moments of severe anxiety where I got frantic. Yeah. And they freaked out. Because you feel like you're forgetting something, yeah. right? Yeah. And I will make lists as vague as do these chores. Yeah. Then I will also make lists that are as detailed as clean the kitchen with a sub-list under it of yeah. everything that needs to be done in the kitchen. I do that for cleaning. It makes me feel like I'm accomplishing more. Yeah. Um, but I also will do like a work list versus a home list. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like subcategories. Because like at home, I'm going to need to go grocery shopping. Here's my list of groceries. Mm-hmm. But at work, I need to grade these five assignments. But I want to check off all the assignments as I go. And it's just something that makes me feel better about being able to look at what I've done. Because especially this year, I feel like I just sit on my butt all day long and I'm always on Zoom. I'm always trying to do something. And so to be able to like see that in front of me helps me realize that I'm not doing nothing because it feels like nothing. I I, hate it. I like to also when I'm making my list, I'll take, I have a journal that I keep all my lists in kind of like Quinn does. 
and I take it into the office with me every morning and I write my list for everything, what I need to do in the office, what I need to do at home. And I try really hard to add one fun thing to the list. Yeah. Because then I know when everything else is done, I can do my fun thing and then I can check my fun thing off. So like when the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was on, my fun thing was every Friday I would watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That was my fun thing for that you're day. you're like, check mark. And I always got up an hour early to watch it before work. Oh, side note. Did you see that? Disney's California Adventure. They have a Falcon and Winter Soldier thing that you can go take your picture in front of. Like, I want to go so freaking bad. cool. Um, one of the weird things I think is that even though I'm really into lists, I'm terrible with my planner. I haven't written anything in my planner in like a month. I will say that I haven't used my, um, my journal for list making in about two weeks, but that's because, um, there has been nothing to do in the office and I have been insanely busy with training. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit harder. Yeah. It's harder to do because... We just took on these new stores and these making a list for these stores is nearly impossible because you never know one minute to the next what's going on. We didn't have systems for two days. Yeah. So how am I supposed to make a list if we don't have systems? Yeah, you're not going to be able to do what you're supposed to do. Exactly. So I found that her lists were not only fun because you actually get to read the lists that she makes. Yeah, that was really fun um, to see. What made it on the list? I really like the people that she wants to kiss. It's like two normal people and then a bunch of celebrities. Yes. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> And they're all celebrities that are like considerably older than her because she's yeah. 18. And it's like, Ryan Reynolds. And I'm like, babe, like. <laughs> He's older than I am. <laughs> like, Ryan Reynolds is what? Like 40? He's in his 40s. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's going to want to kiss you. No. But it's who she wants to kiss, so it doesn't matter. Legal. It doesn't matter. But then she also has um, how to, or how, what, the things that suck about being human. Yeah. Vomiting, diarrhea. Which I think we'd all agree with. Yeah. She's got, like, just fun, funny lists. Yeah. And then she's got her serious list, like the things to do before graduation, and that list is kind of hard. Yeah. 100%. And it's... It's interesting to see that there's so many really serious things mixed in because that's kind of what a journal is. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just like, today I did this and this and this. Mm -mm. It's supposed to be whatever you want. Like, it's it's emotions and it's planning and talking about your future or your present or your past. And that's what she's doing. I do my lists in between those, too. So, like... um when we were going for the full weekend and I was going uh-huh. to be out of my comfort zone, I hadn't been into my new meds for very long at that point. That was my old meds that are whatever. Um, I wrote my list of everything I needed to pack, everything I needed to do before I left. And then under that, I made myself a reminder right. that I was going to be okay. So I do those things too in mine. But mine is more of a, a journal that I carry around that I make my lists in too. So... Sometimes, yeah. like, I'll go through a streak where I've got a set song of the day that I'll write down. Today's song oh, of the day. interesting. So, like, I'll have one song that's just stuck in my head all day, and I'll write down what that song was. I track my moods because Do you I'm weird. do legit, like, journaling, like, Dear Diary type stuff? No. Because those always felt weird to me. See, I did it a lot growing up, but I think that's because my mom was a really big advocate for that, of, like, diaries and journaling, because she always did it. Yeah. But then, you know, like, we had... <laughs> We had a whole day where we went through my old journals and just <laughs> tore all the pages out and tore them up. Because I was like, I'm so over this. It was legitimately like a decade's worth of diaries. And then I found more, which was horrifying. Oh, God. So I somewhere like somewhere out in the world. Out in the world, those are out there. Pieces of diary. I never did that because I even now I don't do the Dear Diary. Even now it's like these are the things that happened to you today and I'm writing these down to remind you later of what those things were. I'm not someone who likes to look back at things very often. Mm-hmm. Um, I really struggle with that which is weird because I really love like nostalgic things. Yeah. But I don't like looking back at certain like relationships or certain people And a journal kind of shoves that in your face. Like, when I was in college, I had a roommate who read my journal. And then we got into, like, this huge fight. And I ended up up having to sue him because he was being kind of a dick. I remember that story. And um, he wrote this, like, really mean letter 
about how I'm lucky I have any friends and like everyone's my friend because they feel sorry for me. Okay, well, look at you now. And something about reading my diary. And I was just like, okay, but you're still going to pay me money. (laughs) (laughs) You're still going to lose in court. But like, it's one of those things where it's supposed to be really private. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as that privacy is breached, it's devastating. Like, there's no way I'd ever want to be friends with that human again. There is a plot point in this where not only are these anonymous people reading her journal, uh-huh. but she finds out that Carter read her journal. And he had said he only read the first page. He had told her he'd only read the first page, but then we find out that he'd seen his name on that first page, and now he was looking for other instances because he had no idea she felt those things about him. I don't blame him, really. I'm nosy as shit. If you have my name like, in your journal, I'm going to find all the other instances of it. I'm not saying what he did was right. No. Like, it's not right to go through someone's private stuff, especially when once you realize it's private. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. But the there's just, like, pure curiosity of wanting to be, like, well, especially because he had a crush on her for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of, like, feeding, like, fuel to the fire kind yeah. of a feeling. Where he's like, oh shit, she would want to kiss me? He's like, <laughs> going through all the other What pages. else does she want to do with me? And then it's like, he's an asshole. And it's like, oh no, I need to be positive again. Like, that's what I imagine is going through his mind as he's like, flipping through all these pages. Yeah. I, it, it is very invasive. But I think that that helped their relationship. Because there was that instance when she realized that he'd read everything. Right. Where she was like, he only likes me because he read those things. Whereas that's not what it was. It was him realizing that he did kind of like her, but he didn't know her. And this journal gave him the opportunity to know her. And I feel like that's something that you could argue in the adult realm of things mm-hmm. is essentially what like your dating profile is. Yeah. Except this is more raw. Like your dating profile is, at, we've talked about it, it's a lie. Dating profiles oh, are a big fucking lie. Such where it's a lie. like, I love to be outdoorsy and I love animals and blah, blah, blah. This is like that, but on steroids. Like, these are all the things I absolutely hate about being myself. Yeah. And these are all the things I hate about being human. But these are all the people I would definitely have sex with. Like, these are my weird sexual just, fantasies. Are, oh, God. It, it reminded me so much of like a Tina Belcher thing. Oh. Like erotic friend fiction. Yeah. Oh, God. And yeah. Like, I'm not going to say that that's not like abnormal because I think a lot of people have thoughts like that. Like I've told you before, I'm definitely that person who like that stupid tweet that was going around. Like if I have a dream of you, I'm in love with you for the next 24 hours. Yeah, That's me. A hundred percent. It does so not weird. matter who you are. If you no. know me, you're like my friend or something or like, I don't know. And I have a dream about you. There's a good chance I'm like, oh, like maybe. Yeah. But then, then no. reality sets in. I'm like, that's dumb. Like, <laughs> what was I thinking? Oh, God. So another, um, another big plot point in this is the fact that there are several people who are lying. There is so much lying, but not good lying and not good, like, spy plot lying. No. Which is fine, because they're 18, 17, 18. So the first, the main lie is that Quinn got into Columbia. But she didn't get into Columbia. She faked it. She faked that. She faked her um, her test scores. Uh, she said she got a 34 on her ACTs, and she got a 24 on her ACTs. Right. She made her acceptance letter to Columbia in Word, which kudos, Quinn. I'm glad you could do that. How did you get that centered right? Because Word's a bitch. Yeah, and- I was going through, I was like, there's no other like word processor that, whatever. I'd have been like, I made this in Google Docs. Doesn't it look good? And then I made it into a PDF, because that's what my job is sometimes. <laughs> I made this thing, and it made a thing. Cool. I'm awesome now, yay. But, so we have that as the lie. Um, we have not even lying, but some of it is just the omission of things that have occurred. So um, Quinn's grandmother is ill. She has Alzheimer's. She's in a home now. And Quinn finds out that they've sold her house and haven't told her about it. And the whole reason they sold the house was to help pay for Columbia. Which is even more sad. It was so sad. It's devastating. 
But we have that lying. We have um, Destiny and Gia are lying at one point. Uh, we ha- just there's so many little little white lies throughout that you're just kind of like just tell the truth yeah and it would be so much better if you just tell the truth the only people that don't lie are olivia and Auden. <laughs> that's because olivia lives her life with everything just on her sleeve she's just like this is who i am so yeah. fucking what which is a really really rare quality not just in a teenager but in a human like you don't see that very often I think Olivia was one of my favorite characters out of all of them. She was just like a take no prisoners personality. Oh yeah, she was just she like, was she knew what she wanted to do. She was going to do it, and she didn't care what anyone thought. Well, and she was good at what she was doing, which made it yeah. even better. And I liked <laughs> that. Like, there's some line in there that she's like, "Yeah, I beat up racists," and it's like, "All right, yeah." And then she's like, "I don't care. I'll whoop your ass too." And it's like, "Oh no." <laughs> But like fair. The whole scene where they confront the uh, the people who have her journal, and, and we'll get to that in a bit. Um, and Olivia says, "We're like those girls and bring it on." She's like, "I can't wait to tell them you've been touched by an angel." And then she does it. She's like, "I did it just like the movie." Did you see that? So funny. And she was like, "You're Gabrielle Union. You're Gabrielle Union." <laughs> and that made me laugh because that is such a throwback, but like legitimate in like the way it was used it yes, was great it was so good it was so so good but i think with with the way quinn told all of these lies and how slowly the slowly these lies came out and the truth came out we get to see not only those truths come out but we also get to see her trying new things and as someone who is in her little box mm-hmm. and very happy trying new things is very difficult yeah. I have a hard time trying new things. I tried a new thing yesterday. And then I texted you about it because I was very proud of myself yeah. for trying a new thing. I think trying new things is is kind of rare and difficult because you get into this pattern of where you're the most comfortable. And unless you have other people who are willing to do that with you or someone who's like the bridge person who's going to like, I've done this before, we should do this all together. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to like sack up and do it. I will try a lot of new things if you're there to try them with me. Or you hold my hand through the new thing. <laughs> and I usually strong arm you into them. You do. Because you know I won't try these things. And this, yeah. this thing I tried yesterday, it's not even a big thing. Right. I went out for beers with a coworker. Yeah. I did not have a middle person. I did not have you there holding my hand going, yeah. come on, let's go have beers. Let's try this new brewery we haven't tried yet. And I just said, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. And I did it. And I, had a good time. I have, like, intense FOMO mm-hmm. about a lot of things. And so the, like, trade-off is that I must do things. And that's the only way I can not have the FOMO. What are the weird and, things we've done because of that? We've oh gone axe-throwing. Yeah. I'm going to do pickleball on Thursday because I didn't go last week. Um, We're going to get piercings. We've gone and got... Just randomly gone and got tattoos. Yeah. It's it's just this thing where I had to, like, hit this limit of I can't wait around for other people mm-hmm. to do fun things. Because in past, like, relationships and friendships, you can talk and plan and, you know, all that stuff. But if you don't actually do it, then what's the point? You know? Like... And- you know that I'm so malleable at this point that you can just say, we're doing this. Are you coming? And I'm like, yep. It's not even that. Like, I fully understand and expect people to say, that's not something I want to do. Mm-hmm. But, like, don't dance around it. Just tell me I don't really want to do that. And it generally doesn't offend me. It does offend me if you wait until right before we're supposed to do the thing. And then you're like, I'm bailing. I hate that. I hate uh, it so much because I am such, like, a type A personality that I've already had it planned we know where we're going, who we're meeting, yep. when we're meeting them. That to have someone back out last minute is like really frustrating for me. We had a former friend from our friend breakup recently who was all in and wanted to go axe throwing with us the night before. That was probably the cutest thing I've ever seen from this I angle. I like that. 
You guys can't see, but her cat is literally cuddling a book with his head right now. It's adorable. He's being really cute. Um, but anyways, we had scheduled to go axe throwing. She was all into it. And then the night before, she said she didn't want to go. And then she had FOMO about it. And that's the other thing is like when I have FOMO, I'm more mad at myself than anyone else. Because I made the choice not to go. Yeah. But there are other people who get upset that you went without them. And I'm just, I'm not that wait around kind of person. I'm just not. Like, when we worked at Target, a lot of the things that we did was with multiple groups of friends. Mm -hmm. Because it was whoever was available. Yeah. So it was always, like, a text chain or a group. Like, hey, this is what we're doing. Show up at 10. Yep. And that was it. And I think that's something that maybe other people don't do or haven't done and so it makes it really hard for them to participate it was difficult for me but now that i think we've been friends forever at this point jesus (laughs) yeah it's been a while (laughs) it's it's been a long while it's what 12 years this year yep jesus christ (laughs) first and foremost jesus christ but I don't know that I would be as willing to do all the weird stuff that we do if it weren't for you saying, hey, we should do this. And then you tell me the reasons why, the pros to it. And my (laughs) brain doesn't go, there might be cons. My brain just goes, yes, Jasmine has a great idea. Let's do it. We're doing it. We're doing the thing. And that's just kind of how it goes. And I think it just is one of the the things where you got to take some chances. Sometimes you got to take some risks. And that doesn't mean that I like there's no way in hell I'm ever going like skydiving oh, fuck or that. bungee jumping. No. Like I have limits, just like every human does. I'm glad but, your like, limits are the same as mine because I'm not <laughs> jumping free falling out into the no, sky. No, I that's not don't happening. like that's what some people want to do and I just can't no. do it. But like hey, you want to go on a trip? Let's go on a trip. You want to go horseback riding? Let's go. We want to go Someone was, like, telling me how they were supposed to go uh, tubing on the Salt River. I was like, God, that sounds fucking fun, but it's hella hot, and I don't want to do that right now. And I'm hella, hella, hella pasty. It's supposed to be so much fun. Do you know how much sunscreen I would need, and I would still get sunburned? You need that, like, waterproof stuff. (laughs) I do. But, yeah, just, like, there are things where I hear that, and I'm like, yeah, like, so our friends do this thing called Justin Palooza, mm-hmm. and for years I didn't go, because, like, I didn't know Justin very well. Like, I knew him, obviously, and I've known him for a long time now, but, like, I was like, I don't know, I don't think that's really my thing, and then when I would be like, I kind of want to go, then um, my friends would be like, well, I don't want to go, that doesn't sound like fun, then I'd be like, well, I don't want to go by myself. And I've never been invited, so. <laughs> do you know Justin? I've met him at parties. You've met him at parties. Halloween parties. Oh, God. there almost every year, which also is another thing I wouldn't normally do. Yeah. How the Halloween parties are something I would almost never do on top of it, too. But to get back to the book, um, Quinn has a list of things she wants to try. And downtown Austin sounds like a blast. And not only does she get out of her comfort zone to go to downtown Austin, Mm -hmm. but she also goes to a bar, gets a fake ID to do it. She gets drunk as shit. She gets drunk as shit. Autumn gets drunk as shit, too. They get drunk as shit underaged, and they're having a good time until they're not having a good time, because that's what alcohol does to you. Yeah, it it slaps you. But she does all these things that she never thought she'd be able to do. Yeah. And at one point, Carter tells her about her lists, that she has to stop living her life according to those lists that she made for herself for who she should be. Yeah. And I think that's what frees her up to say, I can do these things, and I should do these things. Yeah, that night out for them was kind of a big turning point in the story just because it was her deciding that she could be one of these people. Yeah. She had always seen herself as like, I can't do it. That's not me. That's not me. But here she is at 18, and she's trying something, and Olivia's like, no big deal. Come on. You look hot. They're going to let us in. Hell yeah. They don't care. And then she finds out She's right. No one cares. No one gives a shit. No one. I mean, we're not saying go out and do this. Please don't do that. If you're underage, do don't not, do this because it's dangerous. Do but for the purpose of this book, she's finding out that she is capable of having so much more freedom. Yeah. Just by taking that small leap. Well, and it's it's not just trying new things where she takes that small leap to go out to a bar to see a performer that she doesn't even care about. She doesn't even like the type of music he makes. But it's also she's now 18 years old and has made an entirely new set of friends. 
Yeah, Which very is suddenly. hard. It's very hard to do. Making friends is so hard. We just got lucky. That's Ugh. all. We say it a thousand times, but we got lucky. I mean, sometimes we question some of these people, but. I mean, we still love them. It's fine. We do our best. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. What else goes on in this? Um, this th- That comment that Carter makes, that actually goes back to doing what's expected of her. And that's where those lists came in. She feels like she's expected to go to Columbia. She's expected to have good grades. She's expected to be the perfect daughter, the perfect rich child in the school because she gets gifted a Mercedes for getting into her which is insane. Parents' dream school because that's where they 18. went. I can't say shit because my almost fifteen-year-old has a Mercedes. Hey, your almost fifteen-year-old had an old Mercedes that her wealthy grandparents bought her. Yeah, not a that brand you new one. Her. No, a brand new car. But, like, there are just things and expectations that are communicated, whether it's outright or in, like, suggestion. Mm -hmm. And her parents both went to Columbia. That's where they met and fell in love. And Columbia, I mean, it's an Ivy League school. It's a great school. It's, you know, something that people would strive to achieve. Yeah, and she's never really wanted that. She thought she did, but that's because what her parents... That's what her parents wanted for her. And then we find out that she isn't actually good enough to get into Columbia. No. Because her grades, her test scores, her everything is just not where it should be to even be accepted. She got waitlisted for the for UT. Univers- for UT, the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. And the only reason at the end she does get in, and the only reason is because her mom pulls some strings who's got a friend that works in admissions yeah and the friend says your essay is the only thing that puts you on that wait list because it was an amazing essay and she does find out you know she does talk about how she's not very good at most things she's not a good student but she is her friends do tell her like Auden says you actually do a really good job of writing some great little like captions on photos yeah you know you would have won that contest if it weren't for Gia being rich and shit whatever but yeah doing what's expected i think as a teenager is pretty hard and i think she has that not really a come to jesus moment but she has that moment where she realizes that she doesn't have to be what her parents expect of her i think it's such an important realization for kids especially kids moving through high school that your parents expectations are not your expectations yeah and that's a really 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 difficult decision to make especially if your parents like, hers weren't forceful. Like, they were so proud of her when they thought she was going to Columbia. And so that, of course, made her feel like shit. Mm-hmm. But they weren't ever like, this is the only school we'll pay for or anything like that. Like, no. they weren't mean. They were just very excited and prideful. And that made her feel like she couldn't settle for anything less than that. Yeah. And once she realized that it was truly her decision mm-hmm. and that she did want to stay with her friends and she did want to stay near home then that changed her outlook a lot, a lot. It did. And I think that that cleared up her fear, her fear of what the future was going to hold because that's scary not knowing what you're going to do after you're, you graduate high school. Or even just moving into high school, I think, for kids is really scary. I know my eighth graders are either horrified and terrified or they're really excited. There's no in-between with my kids. And it's really interesting to see which ones are which because it's not what you would expect. When you move into something that you don't know anything about, the fear that you have in you is just because it's something that's unknown. And I think that's what she's going through too. Yeah. She wants to go to college. There's no point in this where she talks about how much, like, I think in other, like, movies, especially teen dramas, Mm -hmm. it's like, college wasn't my dream. It was my your, family's my parents dream. dream. Yeah, that kind of, that she kind of stuff. Did, she wants to go to college. She wants to have that life. But she wants to go to the college that she wants to go to. But she even she's not really sure of what that means. Yeah. She's just not. And that's okay. I mean, it's that's kind scary. of why college, you don't sign a four-year deal. No. You know, you go the first semester and you're like, okay, like this, hate this, gonna transfer. Yeah. And that's kind of just the process. You don't have to sign on for the full mm-hmm. four years. Uh, could you imagine? Well, like a contract. Oh, that would suck. I, I mean, I would have been fine. but You would have been okay. That I wouldn't have. Been awful. Let's, let's actually talk about, because this is actually already at 40-some minutes, Let's talk about the racism. 
We're going to talk about the racism in this book as two women who are not black. I am have said it a thousand times. I'm so white. I'm see-through. Cat <laughs> <laughs> is of mixed race. Right. Um, but neither, none of those races are black. Yeah. None of those races are black for you. However, we are two people that understand racism and understand there are things that you cannot say. There are things that you cannot do as a person who calls themselves an ally. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird balance to figure out. So the issue with racism, I mean, of course, is bigger than just her family and just her friends. Mm-hmm. But the first time we see this problem is actually within her family. So her dad comes home from work and is startled by Carter, who had to go use the restroom. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of being like, hey, who are you? He's like, how did you get in my house? And we see that this really upsets Carter. It really upsets both Quinn and her mother. He was... And there's no defense for it from the father. He was racially profiled by a fellow black man. Yeah. And racial profiling is something that's dangerous in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And racial profiling with a teenager um, is even more scary. And as Carter points out, like, what if your dad owned a gun? Do you really think he would have asked questions? Do you think I would be able to walk out here like all this stuff and later later desmond apologizes which is a big deal in itself and he he says listen i've lived in this this wealthy neighborhood surrounded by white families for so long that i'm just not used to seeing black people i don't have in my neighborhood i don't have enough black yeah he has he says he doesn't have enough black friends and he not only apologizes to quinn about that situation but he does eventually apologize to carter yeah which is nice to see because quinn knows that her dad doesn't apologize for most things and i think it's rare to see adults apologize to children or who they consider children yeah um because adults don't like being wrong yeah. And so they would rather move forward and forget about it than apologize. And seeing a black man who accused a young black man of something that could get him killed. Yeah. Um, is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Mm-hmm. So it made me uncomfortable to read. We move from that experience and that, I mean, Desmond apologizing to Carter was kind of the the full circle moment Mm -hmm. but we also go through how both carter and quinn have been treated throughout their years because going to a private school there is unfortunately a lot of stigma that goes with it especially if you are mixed race or black or whatever yeah and so the conversation that they have with their friends ranging from music to if they know how to swim versus how they dress or speak all kind of centers around like, well, you're you're not really black. I mean, you're white, right? Like, because you act like you're white. Yeah. And this is a problem that has been going on forever, that to fit in, people sometimes erase who they are to fit in. To and fit then in, yeah. people who want to make them feel like they don't fit in tell them, why they don't fit in. And it's usually a physical appearance. So we saw there was an instance where um, they call him Harvard Cade said, well, I guess even affirmative action didn't do enough for you. And oh. that's the like a really, really low blow on being like, see, even no one, even that law couldn't have helped you get in because you're black and that should have given you a free pass. And like, yeah. really awful thing to well, say to somebody. The stigma too that... Um, Olivia is mixed race. She's half black and half white. She's only going to this school because she got a scholarship because she's an amazing photographer. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Carter is on scholarship, but we find out he's actually not on scholarship. He's just really smart. His, and his dad, dad sucks. Pay, his dad sucks and his dad pays for it. But there's all this stigma around these kids who are not white and they're only in this school because someone paid for them. They're on a scholarship. Uh-huh. And that's the only reason why they could get into this school. Yeah. The whole catalyst between Quinn and Destiny no longer being friends is because Destiny and Gia are white girls. And they don't treat Quinn like a black person. 
They treat her like another white girl and they say the N-word, which I don't condone ever. I think that it's not so much that they treat her like she's white. It's that they pretend that being colorblind is a solution to the problem. And it's not a solution. It's never going to be a solution. The whole idea of, well, I don't see race is never okay because that just adds to the problem. It shows that you're willing to ignore the actual root problem Mm -hmm. instead of face it and confront it. And that's what these girls are doing. They're like, well, she never spoke up about before. And here's the thing. She shouldn't have to. She shouldn't have to. There's There are lines that you draw. Like, there are a lot of... Um, my school is a lot of mixed-race kids mm-hmm. and a lot of families that are black and a lot of families that are refugees and all this stuff. And right now we're reading the Freedom Writer Diaries. And there's a lot of strong language in that. Mm-hmm. And I purposely plan that I'm the one that reads the majority of the curse words, especially the N-word. Mm-hmm. And... The reactions that I get are very mixed because for some kids, they can tell that I'm uncomfortable reading it. Yeah. And they're like, well, why don't you just skip it? I say, because it's literature and in literature, it's there for a purpose or else it wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. So we use the words that are written. And for other kids, like, yeah, she's cussing and like all this stuff. Because seeing your teacher cuss is right. a and, thing. And they're always like, why don't you say it right? And I'm like, because I don't use that language. And That's, so it's weird. Yeah. But it, it also brings up this idea that we talk about in my class that regardless of what you look like, mm-hmm. when you use words to describe yourself, you're giving other people in some way a green light to also use this those words. Yeah. If I stood in front of my class and I was like, I'm just being a bitch today, it gives them like this idea that it's okay because I've said it about myself. Now they can say they it They can about say you. it too. Mm-hmm. And I have to explain this to my class every single year without exception. That when you walk around calling yourself the N-word or using it to describe other black people, mm-hmm. that you're telling others, whether you like it or not, that it's okay. Yeah. And I know that there are a lot of circles that argue that it's because we own that word. We want to own it. We want to yeah. take that power back. The problem is we aren't far enough past the racism of the history of the United States no. for it to be a positive change. If you want to be a boss bitch... You can be a boss bitch. Yeah. If you want to call yourself the N-word, th- that's a line we don't cross. Yeah. And it's it's because there isn't enough power given to the black community in order to do that successfully, if that makes sense. it do- And that actually can lead into the word queer. Right. The gay community, I can I call myself queer quite regularly. That's mm-hmm. how I identify. We have slowly been able to take that word back and no right. longer use it as a slur. But it's because we're in a situation now where more people are accepting of yeah. LGBT people. And it's just, it's one of those things where the steps are very clear as to what needs to happen and especially in over the past year, two, three years that oh, we've had, God. that it's very clear that people's skin color is still just as devalued as it was in the 50s in a lot of places. Oh, yeah. And oh, that's yeah. why it doesn't work. I understand that rappers say it. I understand that like it might not offend this person or this person. But if it's not a word, my general rules, if it's not a word that you would say in front of your mother... Or in front of a, the principal. Yeah. Is that a word that you want to be saying to me? And so that's just kind of a basic guideline. Because I can understand why people want to take back those words. I can totally understand and, and show that it's their power and it's their choice. Mm-hmm. And I fully support that. Yeah. I fully support that. But because there aren't enough people that are agreeing with them, yeah. it's going to make it a lot more difficult. Well, this this racism situation leads into the cyberbullying situation that mm-hmm. we see in this. And we do get a resolution. We do find out that it is Destiny has stolen the journal and Gia has created... First of all, Destiny is the worst. She's yeah. an idiot. She was like, I took it because I thought it forced me to t- or force you to talk to me. But then she gives it to this awful Gia girl who's the worst. She's horrible. She has she's racist and doesn't give a shit about it. And she's rude. And she's rude. And if she's got a vendetta against you for 
anything you've ever done, ever. She's just going to be a horrible human being. She's a stereotypical mean girl. Oh, yeah. She, she would definitely be a plastic. And she got her comeuppance in the end. She's expelled for this cyberbullying situation. Yeah. Because not only was it cyberbullying, but it was racist. And it is called out. And yeah. we do get our comeuppance in the end for her. And it was a beautiful moment. It, it was. was. So, so there were a couple moments in this book that made me cry. And one of the most beautiful moments was Quinn's mom coming in in her lawyer outfit mm-hmm. and being like, listen, I'm here as a concerned mother, but it looks to me that this is a racially based issue. Yeah. Because how many black girls are in this school? Oh, okay. And how many of them have been bullied by the same girl? Oh, okay. Yeah. And are you telling me that money is going to protect this girl, Gia? Yeah. Because her father is a donor? Sounds is like that a what you're telling to me? me. It sounds yeah. like that's not going to fly in court. And it's like, oh, shit. Mom's ready to throw it down. Because she's right. It shouldn't fly. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't fly. Just because you have money should not mean that you're protected. No. It just shouldn't. If you're especially a kid and you've learned that you can do whatever you want because your dad will pay to make it all go away, I'll just donate some extra money to the school and it'll be fine. Like, oh, what? No. That's not the world we live in. And it shouldn't be the world we live in. It's mind-blowing that that's a thing yeah. to me. yeah. I think at the end of it, there was a lot of things that this book hit and did well. Definitely. When it was covered. Definitely. And I think at this point, because A, we have run very long, and B, I think we're pretty good on what we've read and what we've discussed. Yeah. Let's rate this on a scale of one to five stars. What do you give? Excuse not me while a I smooth transition, start. Jessica. I know. Oh my gosh. Tired. Um... I'm going to give it a five. Okay. I think, we didn't talk about this too much, but I think that the conversations about race that happened Mm -hmm. between Carter and Quinn were, like, really important conversations to explain why things are the way things are and why they cannot remain the same. Mm -hmm. And because this is a YA book, that's a really, really rare thing. Because we don't see a lot of YA that's there to teach. No, we don't. Not and really. we see a lot of it that's like fantasy. Or if it's teaching you something, it's like... The power of friendship. Yeah, kind of thing. Which is fine, too. But this is a book that I will recommend to my students and would recommend to my students. Oh, yeah. Because I don't think people address it openly. Mm-mm. They don't talk about racism and they don't know how to confront it. Yeah. And that's something that's really, really difficult to do. And I think this would be a really good jumping off point for for students or children or teenagers, no matter what race they are, yeah. to understand that, like, it, you may not realize it. There are people who go through their entire lives and don't realize what other people are going through yeah. because it doesn't apply to them. And so they're just like, I don't know. And I think that that's really important. I also really enjoyed um, all the characters. Yeah. All the characters. They were written as well-rounded characters, mm-hmm. and they were written as real people-type characters. They felt real. Yeah. They felt very real. This and it's is, not often we get that. This is also the first time where we didn't have, well, maybe not the first time, but one of the very few times that we didn't have the, the female protagonist who was like, but I'm so weird and quirky and blah, blah, oh. blah. She was essentially dealing with her anxiety by putting things in a notebook yeah and then had the whole world just shit on her for a few days it was a brutally honest take on what Mm -hmm. it is to be an anxious teenager and then she was like you know in retrospect i'm not in love with matt rad he kind of sucks yeah i'm not in love with that guy and i kind of think i might fall in love with this carter guy because he like knows who i really am he doesn't question it yeah and so it's like that big shift like because you always want them to be with their, like, dream person. And that's who always. she was dreaming of was Matt Rad. And then we see this shift, and it's so much better. It's it's better for her as oh, a yeah. person. Because she could have ended up with Matt Rad at the end, or as they called him, Matt Rat. He just, he just disappeared. And probably rightfully so, I think. But he came back in the end, and he was like, why didn't you tell me these things? You're supposed to be my best friend. And she's like, you know... Sometimes we can't mm-hmm. have that conversation. Sometimes I have to have it with other people that and understand. And he says, like, I would have helped you, but I don't know what that would have consisted of. And I think that's something that people maybe say 
but don't mean. Yeah. Like an so, empty promise of so help. So it was like, I, I would have done more for you had I known. And it's like, okay. But you should have known. You should have seen it. If you Ten years of friendship and he didn't know she was upset because the other girls at school were using the N-word? Yeah. I feel like that's a far-fetched theory. That's a very far-fetched theory. I also gave it a five. Yeah. I adored this book. And you're right. This is something that I will recommend um, yeah. to everyone. Because it is so well written and it was just a lot of fun to read and there was a lot of emotion in it, which is surprising yeah. for a book that was fun to read. Because sometimes you get those books that have a lot of emotion and it's just like, it was heartbreaking. But there were parts that were heartbreaking, but there were also parts that were fun and funny and easygoing. And I really, really enjoyed that balance. So definitely a five star for me. Definitely a five star. Yeah, absolutely. And that... uh. That wraps up YA month. Yay! I'm glad we decided to do it, because these two books that we read were a lot of fun. Yeah, I liked both of them for very different reasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were a blast. I loved them. Yeah. Well, next month. Next month is June. Yep. It's my favorite month of the year. It's Pride Month. It's Pride Month. I'm excited. Are you ready for what we're reading? Yes. We're, because I forgot and had to look, and I was oh, like, good. what are we reading? Surprise! Surprise! Um, we are going to be reading Written in the Stars by Alexandria Bellaflor. Um, this is a female-female romance. Okay. Those are rare. Those are very rare. We had one lined up to read, which I saw someone else read. Um, I want to say the writ bodice. I don't know. Oh, was it um, One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston? Mm-mm. No? Because I still want to read that one. Something to talk about? Remember we skipped it. Oh, we did. Because I thumbed through it and I was like, I think this is going to be really boring. That's right. Which is a terrible thing to think about. Something that's supposed to be innovative and cool. Yeah. But I just, I didn't see. This one should be fun. I saw a lot of really good things about this one. Yeah? Okay, good. So I'm excited about that. So uh, join us next time as we read Written in the Stars by Alexandria Bellaflor. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, also remember that bad bitches read romance. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye! Bye!